ID the Future, a podcast about evolution and intelligent design. A treasure trove of engineering insights can be uncovered by investigating how living systems are constructed and operate. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson, and joining us on today's ID the Future is Dr. Stuart Burgess to talk about bio-inspired designs and some of the remarkable mechanisms found in living organisms. The research fields of biomimetics and bio-inspired design are exploding with new findings as scientists identify clever designs in nature that can be applied to improve our human-engineered systems. And the insights can run the other direction as well. We can use our understanding of engineering, how complex and sophisticated systems operate in the real world, to help us better understand biological systems. Dr. Burgess is an accomplished author and has published over 180 papers on engineering and nature. Today, we'll talk about a recent paper he published titled, A Review of Linkage Mechanisms in Animal Joints and Related Bio-Inspired Designs. Welcome, Stuart. Yeah, it's good to see you, uh, Eric. So, Dr. Stuart, you're a professor of engineering at Bristol University in the UK, and I understand you're currently on a visiting research fellowship at Cambridge University, which is, of course, one of the flagship universities in the world. Tell us a little bit about this visiting fellowship and what you're working on at Cambridge. Yeah, the visiting fellowship lasts for the whole of 2021. So I've just got a couple of weeks left. The uh, title is Using Engineering Principles to Understand Biological Systems. And it's great to have a year's fellowship because it means I'm doing much less teaching, focusing on research. And at Cambridge, they're world leaders on bioengineering. So it's great to collaborate with the best minds there. Fantastic. Yeah, that sounds like a great opportunity. I should mention for our listeners that I think last time we spoke, you were working uh, night and day getting ready for the Summer Olympics. People may not know that you helped work on the cycling design for the UK Olympic team, which led to, I think, some gold medals in 2016 and and maybe this last year. How did things go this last year for you in the Olympics? Uh, It it was very good uh, because, as with Rio, Team GB came top of the medal table for the cycling Uh Oh, so, there you so, go. For our U.S. listeners, we've got a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys came in tops, and and that was based in part on the work that you and your team had done on the on the design there. Yeah, I was leading the design of the bicycle transmission, the chain design, and in fact, a bicycle chain is actually an example of a linkage mechanism. Mm. So I've designed linkage mechanisms for you know Olympic bicycles, also parts of spacecraft. Uh, but that, that, that's why I'm interested in them in animal joints as well. Right, right. Okay. So tell, tell us maybe a little more about that before we dive into your paper. What about this field of both bio-inspired design and then using engineering principles to better understand biology? How did you become interested in this area? The reason I'm interested is because many engineering companies are desperately keen to study bio-inspired design. And engineering is such a competitive industry if you can slightly improve the performance of your motor car, your profit's going to be greater. And engineers know that nature has the gold standard of design. So many companies are prepared to invest millions of dollars trying to get an edge on their product. So it's a really growing industry and, and really driven by the desire to be successful and, and to make profit. Well, excellent. Well, let's jump into your specific paper. Again, it's called A Review of Linkage Mechanisms in Animal Joints and Related Bio-Inspired Designs. What do you mean by the term linkage mechanisms? Well, linkage mechanisms, they're mechanisms with multiple bars and joints which produce some kind of specific motion. So 
it's probably best to give some examples. If you take, mm-hmm. for example, a car suspension system, that is a linkage mechanism, usually with four bars and four joints, and it gives the wheel a specific motion when the car goes over bumps in a road. Another example, common example, would be a car steering system, also a linkage mechanism, again, usually with four bars and four joints, and it gives the wheel a specific motion. Now, linkage mechanisms, they're really important in engineering because it allows you to fine-tune all kinds of different aspects of performance. You can fine-tune not just motion, but you can amplify force, amplify movements and displacements. And whenever you've got complex machinery, it's very common to see these linkage mechanisms. And so I guess just just to be a little more basic, when we're talking about linkage, we're talking about taking point A and linking it to point B, which the simplest way to do that would just be with a single bar. But if you include some additional bars and some additional points of pivot and things like that, you can either adjust the amplification or the locking capability or or how much force has to be applied, all those kinds of things, right? Yeah, that's right. Because basically you're dealing with levers. And Mm -hmm. so the more links you have, the more permutations of different levers you can get. And with different levers, you can amplify force or amplify motion. As soon as you get four bars, sometimes you can have more, but as soon as you get to four bars, you create an infinite range of possible motions and forces. So they're very powerful devices. Right. And why are these linkage mechanisms that we see in animals of interest to engineers? Uh, They're they're of interest because, um, just to give one concrete example, engineers are desperately trying to produce better robots, more compact, higher performance. And engineers are very much aware that animals have extremely high performing joints and limbs. Engineers would love to have more compact knee joints, more functions in their knee joint and elbow joints. And so engineers are desperately trying to understand how is it that animal joints are so long lasting, so efficient and so compact? Yeah. And the compaction, maybe we could talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes, but the compaction seems to be like a really big issue. And I know that probably you ran into that as you were designing spacecraft, which, you know, every every ounce matters and every cubic centimeter matters. Yeah, that's right. In fact, one of the main things I designed for the European Space Agency was what was called a double action worm gear set, the the gear box for deploying Mm -hmm. the solar panels. And in that gear box, I designed basically like a three in one mechanism, a multifunctioning mechanism. It was the only way I could meet the space constraints by putting three mechanisms in one. One of the really interesting things I found at Cambridge this last year is that animal joints have this aspect of multi-functioning. So, for example, your knee joint not only moves in the normal plane for flexion and extension, but your knee joint can also rotate at the knee joint. The the tibia can rotate compared to the the femur. And also your knee joint can lock. So the knee joint Mm. is like a three-in-one joint. And it's that multi-functioning. That's what engineers have got to learn to do and, and and that's that's actually going to be the subject of my next paper from my work at Cambridge. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So let's back up just a minute, Stuart, to make sure our listeners can picture all this in their minds. I, I know what you're talking about because you've shown it to me before, but maybe do your best to describe for us one or two specific examples of the linkage mechanisms that that we see. I know you mentioned car suspension, but what about the vice grips and the the situation there? 
Well, just to give one example of the the human knee joint. In the knee mm-hmm. joint, we see a, a four-bar mechanism, and it's formed mainly by the two cruciate ligaments. So most people are aware you have uh, two cruciate ligaments in the knee. That the reason they're called cruciate is they form a cross. Okay. But you've actually got a four-bar mechanism because the, your two bones, the femur bone and the tibia bone, form the other four bars. So effectively, you've got this four-bar linkage mechanism in the knee joint. Now, what that means is instead of the femur just rolling over the tibia bone like like a simple hinge joint, what the four-bar mechanism does that is all constrained by the two cruciate ligaments, it guides the knee joint. So it actually translates by about one and a half centimetres so your knee joint doesn't have a fixed center of rotation. Hmm. The center of rotation is actually moving. Now, that's really important for the knee joint because what it means is the tibia can roll around the femur bone and it means you can flex much more than if you didn't have this moving center of rotation. What that means is, say, if you're running, your tibia can tuck right up behind your upper leg which makes much more efficient running because it reduces the moment of inertia. But basically, the reason you have such a range of motion in your knee joint and your legs, obviously, as you get older, that range of motion gets less. But for a young, healthy adult, you have a big range of motion in your knee joint because of this special linkage mechanism, which is mostly formed because of those cruciate ligaments. Yeah, that's interesting. As you're talking about that, I was thinking just last week, I went to the uh, Women's National Soccer Championship here in the U.S. for college. And I'm just picturing these women running around the field and kicking and doing bicycle kicks and jumping and running. And yeah, the knee is pretty remarkable. And and anybody that says, oh, you know, the knee is poorly designed because my knee hurts, (laughs) hasn't, hasn't carefully looked at how remarkable it is. Yeah, we've got to take care of it. And yes, things can break down. But wow, what a sophisticated system. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's right. So we see these kinds of mechanisms also in human engineered systems. And which animal joints did you look at as you were preparing this paper? I studied 10 animal joints, six types of fish joints, insect wing joints, bird wing joints, knee joints, and the striking club of the mantis shrimp. I was keen to look at a wide range of joints to see how prevalent these mechanisms were in nature. Yeah, excellent. So let's start with the fish first. What linkage mechanisms are used in fish? I mean, one thing I, I should say is that they're, they're, they're very common in, in fish jaws, uh, mm-hmm. mainly because the, the body of the fish is very constrained due to the streamlined, high dynamic shape that they have. It's a really tight geometrical constraint. And what that means is in a fish jaw, there's very, very little room to have muscles. So For example, in the case of a mammal like a human being, we have muscles just by our jaws. But in a fish, you can't do that because there's just no space. So what happens is instead of fish jaws just having basically two links, the lower jaw and the upper jaw, what a fish has are four links. Not only do they have the lower jaw and the upper jaw, but they have these two other bony links that make the jaw work a little bit like clamping pliers, which have four links and and four joints Mm. Uh, with fish jaws, is that it enables the closing and opening muscles to be located behind the jaw, either in the head of the fish or even in the body of the fish. 
So, for example, if you look at a parrotfish, it, it's quite bizarre. It seems to have a very tiny jaw. But what you can't see is that behind that jaw is a huge muscle that drives that jaw to, to close the jaw and to open the jaw. And by doing that, you can also have force amplification. In my paper, I studied the parrotfish and I showed that the force amplification due to this four bar mechanism was about 10 times because of the, the lengths of those bars, just like clamping pliers that, that you might have used in your garage. In fact, there's even a third reason that fish jaws have these four bar devices for their, their jaws. And that's because in some cases, fish have speed amplification, because when a fish opens its jaw very fast, you get a suction effect, which helps them either catch prey or collect food. So in the case of fish, they use their jaw mechanisms, the linkage mechanisms for multiple functions, for fast opening, for suction, for force amplification, as well as the optimal location of the muscles to operate the jaws. And one of the fish that I studied in, in, in my lab was the sling jaw wrasse. I used CT computer tomography, taking x-rays of the jaws. And one of the things that struck me and my workers was the precision engineering behind these mechanisms. We, we were really taken aback by how intricate and precisely designed they were. That was the first part of my conversation with Dr. Stuart Burgess about linkage mechanisms in biological systems. Join us again soon for the second half of our conversation, talking about these remarkable engineered and designed systems. For ID the Future, I'm Eric Anderson. Thanks for listening. Visit us at idthefuture.com and intelligentdesign.org. This program is Copyright Discovery Institute and recorded by its Center for Science and Culture.